Bibles, turn with us to the book of Ephesians, Ephesians chapter number three, Ephesians chapter number three, and we will pick up our text there beginning in verse number one, Ephesians chapter three and verse number one. And I want to preach tonight on this thought of the mystery of the gospel, the mystery of the gospel, as we're looking through the book of Ephesians. And um, we want to look at what the scripture is dealing with. Paul is dealing with the church at Ephesus and explaining to them what that mystery was. Paul's around the Old Testament and the New Testament. And um, there we go. My, or can you hear me now? My microphone was dead. I can hear fine up here. So. <laughs> Brother Wayne, if I waited much longer, I think he's going to throw something at me. He was trying to get my attention up there. So you have to bear with me. At least I didn't cut out the singing tonight, which I did a couple of weeks ago. So uh, praise the Lord. Ephesians chapter number 3, we want to look at the mystery of the gospel in Ephesians chapter 3. And we'll begin reading down in verse number 1 through verse number 12. The Bible says, For this reason I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ for you Gentiles, if indeed you have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God, which was given to me for you, how that by revelation he made known to me the mystery, as I have briefly written already, by which when you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ, which in other ages was not made known to the sons of men, as it now has been revealed by the Spirit, to his holy apostles and prophets, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ through the gospel, of which I became a minister according to the gift of the grace of God given to me by the effective working of his power. To me, who am less than the least of all the saints, this grace was given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to make all see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the ages has been hidden in God who created all things through Jesus Christ to the intent that now the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church to the principalities and powers in the heavenly places, according to the eternal purpose which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through faith in him. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we do come to you in prayer, Lord, asking that you might speak to our hearts for these next few moments. Lord, may you reveal the mystery of the gospel to us, Lord, that we may in turn share it with the world. Father, we love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. The word translated here in Ephesians chapter 3, there is a word given in verse number 2. It says, if indeed you have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God which was given to me for you. That word dispensation comes from the Greek word oikonomia which is derived from the root word oikonomos uh, and broken down further, which is derived from oikos. That word oikos means house. Uh, oikonomos means manager or house attendant. 
And oikonomia literally means the attendant or steward of the house. Paul says, if indeed you have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God, which was given to me for you. Paul saying that it's a dispensation or a management of the grace of God. Paul saying, really, literally what Paul is saying is there is a, a, a stewardship, a commandment of the gospel of grace, which was given to me for you. Paul is there saying that he is speaking of this new dispensation, uh, the dispensation of grace, which is that of the church. And so I want to look at really uh, the, uh, these two periods of grace and of law, which Paul was famous for dealing with throughout Romans chapter 6 and throughout his epistles where Paul would deal with law and grace. In this new age here that we are of, the age that we are speaking of in this passage, we are talking about the, uh, the period of time where the Gentiles were welcomed, as the body says, uh, as the Bible says, into the body of believers and are welcomed into the family of God. In this new period, it means that we are welcomed into God's family. This is important because in the Old Testament, although the gospel, the truth of God, was available to all mankind, the Bible says that it was a mystery or that it was hid. If you read and look through the Old Testament, matter of fact, there are only a handful of Gentiles in the Old Testament who came to know God. One example of this was Ruth, and Ruth chapter 1, verses number 16 and 18. But Ruth said, Entreat me not to leave you, or to turn back from following after you. For wherever you go, I will go, and wherever you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people, and your God my God. Where you die, I will die, and there will I be buried. The Lord do so to me, and more also, if anything but death parts you and me. When she saw that she was determined to go with her, she stopped speaking to her. This is dealing with Naomi and Ruth. And so here we have with Ruth a, a, an example of a Gentile who was coming into faith. As a matter of fact, if you trace it down, she is part of the lineage of Christ. And so Gentiles in the Old Testament were still allowed to follow God and put their faith in him. Yet it was a rare occurrence. Another illustration of the hidden mystery in the Old Testament was that of Rahab. In Joshua chapter 2, verse number 8, the Bible says, um, Now before they lay down, she came up to them on the roof and said to the men, I know that the Lord has given you the land, that the terror of you has fallen on us, and that all the inhabitants of the land are faint-hearted because of you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the waters of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt. And when you did go... Uh, you did to the two kings of the Amorites who were on the other side of Jordan, Sihon and Og, whom you utterly destroyed. And as soon as we heard these things, our hearts melted, neither did there remain any more courage in anyone because of you. For the Lord your God, he is God in heaven above and on earth beneath. Now therefore I beg you, swear to me by the Lord, since I have shown you kindness, that you also will show kindness to my father's house and give me a true token. So here we have Rahab, who again, a Gentile there in Jericho, placed her faith and, and by such said that there's but one God, your Lord God, he's the God of heaven and of earth. And so we have another illustration of a Gentile coming to God. 
Another illustration is of a series we just got through preaching about going through the book of Jonah. And there it was, the Ninevites who were a, a Gentile pagan nation, yet they repented of their sins and turned to God. And so we find that throughout Scripture there are some illustrations in the Old Testament of Gentiles who came to place their faith in God. It was a hidden thing for the Jews especially. They were, if you were not of the circumcision, you were not allowed to participate. You were not allowed to partake in any of the rituals. And so the, the mystery of the Old Testament, the, the relationship with God, was a mystery. However, the mystery of the Old Testament was revealed and brought to light in the New Testament. The mystery was the church age that we now live in, and furthermore, this mystery was truly brought to light by the Lord Jesus Christ himself. It was hidden largely from the Gentiles, but now it is, in the Old Testament, it was hidden from the Gentile, but in the New Testament, in the day and age we now live, it unfortunately is largely hidden from the Israelite, the Jew. Paul teaches much about this church age, the age of grace that we live in, in Romans. In Romans chapter 6, verses 15 and 16, the Bible says, What then? Shall we sin because we are not under the law but under grace? Certainly not. Do you not know that to whom you present yourselves slaves to obey, you are that one slaves whom you obey, and whether of sin leading to death or of obedience leading to righteousness? And so Paul says, listen, we're not under the law, but we are under grace. And so we thank the Lord that we are not under that law. But as Christians, we are not bound to the Old Testament law. We're under the grace of God. And I rejoice over that. Part of that Old Testament law was much of the rituals with sacrifices. And I'm glad that we don't have to sacrifice uh, this evening to have communion and forgiveness with God. I don't know that there'd be too many preachers volunteering for the job if we had to sacrifice animals on a Sunday service. We're not under the law. We are under grace because the sacrifice has been completed once and for all. Jesus Christ is our sacrifice. His blood has been shed, and therefore we have righteousness through Jesus Christ our Savior. Amen? So we find here that we are not under the law but we are under grace. He says in verse number 3 of Romans chapter 3, he says, How that by revelation he made known to me the mystery, as I have briefly written already. He says, But by which when you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ, which in other ages was not made known to the sons of men. It was not made known, it was hidden. That hidden was the atonement of Jesus Christ. There was a hidden mystery. The Old Testament law was an aspect of that hidden mystery. The Old Testament law, it demanded sacrifices, ceremonies, festivals, traditions that all transpired in the Old Testament. Even today, for some, that mystery still remains. I don't know if you saw this week, but this week there's been big news in Israel that there was five red heifers that are said to be perfect he red heifers that, are, uh, that were flown from Texas to Tel Aviv there in Israel. 
And the Israelites had been trying for many years to find a red heifer that they might sacrifice it, burn it, take its ashes, and with its ashes uh, prepare for the purification for it to sanctify the temple. And so really every, the only thing left for um, the temple to be rebuilt is for the red heifer. And so we find that uh, they had five potential candidates that were sent to Israel this week that are candidates to be sacrificed for the purging of the temple. And so the Jew is still looking for, uh, they are still looking for a sacrifice because they are trying to resume the sacrificial system. They are living under the law. And so to them, they are still living in the mystery. They do not understand the mystery, which is the church and Jesus Christ, because Jesus Christ has been the sacrifice. And with it, he has adopted us who place our faith in him. And we are joint heirs together with Christ. And we are brought in. Uh, with, with the Jews, verse number six says that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs of the same body. That is not bodies with the Jews, but the body with Christ and partakers of his promise in Christ through the gospel. In the Old Testament, the tabernacle, the sacrificial system, and much more, all of these things pointed towards Jesus and his church. However, the mystery was hidden, and the Jews could not and would not see past the law to experience the grace found in Jesus Christ. Sadly, for many who are saved, we too try to place man's law upon Christians, and we try to, in our own way, instill into men the law that Jesus Christ fulfilled himself. And so we find that there was a hidden mystery in the Old Testament. But we want to see that the, this mystery, although it was hidden for some time, it did not remain hidden. I'm glad that today we are not still under that hidden mystery, but Christ has revealed himself to us. We see that the mystery is revealed, and the revealed mystery only requires grace, and it is offered freely. In the Old Testament, the old mystery, the mystery required sacrifice, traditions, uh, or ornaments of men, and ceremonies. But the New Testament, the revealed mystery, reveals to us that all we need is faith and repentance because Jesus Christ is the fulfillment of the Old Testament. And Second Peter chapter 3 and verse number 9. Second Peter chapter 3, verse number 9, the Bible says, The Lord is not slack concerning his promises, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering towards us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. I'm glad that we have the hope of knowing that Christ has been revealed to us the truth that we do not need sacrifices of men. We do not need the blood of bulls and goats, but rather it's the blood of Jesus Christ. And it is fully sufficient for everyone who will place their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. People say, Pastor, do you believe that anyone can be saved? I sure do, because the Bible says that God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. All is spelled A-L-L, -L, and it still means 
Are you ready for this? It means all. It means anyone, everybody. It's a real deep word. It means anyone. God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And so we find that Jesus Christ, he died upon the cross. He revealed that we do not need a sacrifice of a earthly sheep, but rather we have the Lamb of God himself, who was our sacrifice once and for all. In Ephesians chapter 3 and verse number 8, the Bible says, To me, who am less than the least of all the saints, this grace was given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. This mystery is the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is the mystery. The unsearchable riches of Christ. You know what the greatest mystery to me is? It is not how the, the sacrifice of the Old Testament, the tabernacle, there's a lot to it, but that is not the greatest mystery. I, I do not understand much about uh, heaven, and that the Bible says that uh, it hasn't even entered the heart of men the things that are going to be. We can't even begin to imagine how wonderful heaven's going to be, and we love to try, don't we? We love, we love to think about how wonderful heaven's going to be, and, and I rejoice over that. And there's much about eternity that is a mystery God has not revealed to you and I. Um, I shared this recently with, uh, and I've said it for years that people ask preacher, what are we going to do for all, all eternity? I don't know, but I'm going to take a wild guess. All right. And maybe I've shared this with you. Maybe I haven't, but I'm going to share it with you again. Uh, you said, what are we going to do for all eternity? Now I know television has warped many people into thinking we're going to float around on a cloud strumming a harp. I hope heaven's more than that. All right. What did God create man to do? God made him. He worshipped. And what did God put Adam to doing? Working. The first, in, the first recordance of God in Scripture, what's God doing? He's working. He's making earth. And on the seventh day, God finally rested, didn't he? And so what was the curse against man? Not that he's going to work, but that in tur turmoil he's going to work. The curse on mankind was not that we would have to work, but that work was going to be miserable. And you say, preacher, what are we going to do in heaven? The Bible says there's 12 gates and the nations come in and out. Well, I wonder who these nations are and what are they doing? You know what I think we're going to do for eternity? I believe God made us to work. You never heard that before, have you? This is the preacher's thoughts. I believe we're going to work, but I believe God's going to take away the, the toil of it. Anytime you see the Holy Spirit in the, in the Bible, he's moving, he's active, he's working. Well, if that's God, the Father, God, the Son, and God, the Spirit, what makes you think we're not going to work? And my thought is we're going to work. And so that, but that there's still much mystery about eternity that I won't know, and neither do you, until we get there. But the greatest mystery is not those. The greatest mystery is how God could have his rich in mercy and grace that he would bestow upon you and I. 
The greatest mystery is that God would still love me. That God would still love you, that in spite of our sin, that Christ with his uh, riches and matchless grace would continue day by day and, and year by year to look down upon us. And when we sin, when we fail, when we fall short, he still forgives us and loves us and shows his mercy upon us. Paul said, I want to reveal in verse number 8, the unsearchable riches of Christ. You know, we sing it a lot of times. I think we, we kind of sing the words because we love the tune. And we forget just what we're singing about. But amazing grace. How sweet the sound. That saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. God's amazing grace, that to me is the mystery that God would give his son to die in my stead, that he might be the perfect sacrifice to blot away my sins and give us life. That is the mystery. And Paul said in verse number 9, and to make all see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the ages has been hidden in God, who created all things through Jesus Christ, to the intent that now the manifold wisdom of God might be, might be made known by the church to the principalities and powers in the heavenly places, according to his or the eternal purpose which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. Watch this. In whom we have boldness and access with confidence through faith in him. Paul said, here is my duty, my chief duty, is that I might reveal to you the mysteries of Jesus Christ and how wonderful he is in his mercy and grace that he was from the beginning God made all things through him and then he says to the church that that's our task as well that we might make known by the church to the principalities and powers in the heavenly places in whom we have boldness our duty as not even North Etowah Baptist, but as a child of God. As a church, not the buildings, but the body. Our duty is this. To make known to the world, to our family, to our loved ones, to our neighbors, to everyone, how wonderful Christ is and the mysteries of his matchless grace and love. I understand we have to live right. God does, desires that we live right. I understand that. I understand that to whom much is given, much is required, and we have been given much, and so therefore much is required at our hands. I understand that. But our world around us is dying and going to hell without Christ. And you know what they need to hear from you and I? 
that there's a Christ. There is a Messiah, there is a Lord who has died and he has shed his blood. He was the final sacrifice and he offers and extends to us mercy and grace if we'll but put our faith in him. The mysteries. It's not my job to condemn someone. They already stand condemned in their sin. Our duty, as Paul said, is to make known Jesus Christ. To make known Jesus Christ to a lost and dying world. A couple of years ago on my way to Israel, I sat on a plane with a gentleman and I struck up a conversation with him. He was a elderly gentleman, a Jew, who lived in Tel Aviv, and this was right there around the election time, and uh, between Biden and Trump, and politics were a hot topic, and so as we saw on the plane, he began to ask me my opinions about politics, and I did my best to oblige him as honestly as I could, and so we talked for a good time about politics. We did not see eye to eye on everything, but we had a good friendly conversation, when we finished, I said, well, I said, um, you've had your chance to ask me some tough questions. I said, if you don't mind, it's my turn. And he said, okay. He said, what you got? I said, let me ask you a question. I said, do you believe that, the, that there will be a third temple built in Israel? And he started to laugh. He said, of course not. I said, really? You don't believe that the temple will re be rebuilt there? And he said, absolutely not. He said, I'll tell you how unlikely it is, how confident I am that there will never be a temple. He said, I'm going to tell you. I said, how? I said, how, I said, how confident are you there'll never be a temple? He said, I'm more confident of that, he said, than I am that the Messiah will return. He said, both will never happen. My heart broke. I was able to try to attempt to share the gospel with them to little avail. But for some, tradition, life experience, religion, man-made beliefs and philosophies have blinded their eyes. The truth of God's word is to many still a mystery. I believe that our world around us desires truth. But man have corrupted the truth so much that they do not know where or who to believe anymore. And therefore, it is your duty and mine as believers and followers of God that we might step up and say, listen, I will be the one to go out and express to you the mysteries of Jesus Christ, how he came and died in your place. See, all the world hears from religion is that religion, especially in 2022, that we hate everyone that's not just like us. That we condemn anyone that does not believe as we do. But the truth of the matter is, 
I don't have to condemn anyone. As I said earlier, we're all already condemned because of sin. What they need to know is that Jesus Christ has given his life. He came and died and shed his blood, not to condemn us, but that we might have life through him. He is our hope. That's what they need to hear. And Paul said, God has chose that through the church, he might reveal that mystery of Jesus Christ. When's the last time we've done that? I promise you, there's not a single person in this room or online watching or by radio who does not have a family member, a loved one, a neighbor who doesn't need to hear that Jesus Christ has gave his all and he stands willing and ready to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us. That he is our hope, he is our sacrifice will but put our faith and trust in him. It was said a moment ago that Brother Jim said, Preacher, said if you just reach one soul, you've done your job as a pastor. And that goes around the room. Are you reaching your one? Are you telling someone about Christ? I'm not talking about inviting them to church. Invite them to church. That's a good thing. But when's the last time you told someone about what Jesus Christ has done in your heart? I'm going to make a push tonight. You say, preacher, I don't know when I can do that. I'm not comfortable. I don't know how to do it. Tuesday night's a great start. Come go visitation. We've got some great men of God who know how to who share the gospel with someone. Men, ladies, you're all invited. Everyone can go tell somebody about Jesus. They've been having six to eight the last week or two. I haven't made it. I've been in, it seemed like every Tuesday I've had um, some kind of meeting or, or, or uh, group meeting or staff meeting or something every Tuesday. And I'll be honest with you, I'm just going to be transparent. Can I be transparent with you this evening? The other day I was sitting there and I had a meeting, staff meeting again, and I missed visitation again. Every Tuesday it seems like there's something comes up. And the other night I was laying there in bed and the Holy Spirit spoke to my heart. I said, preacher, Randy, what's more important than that? And so after this week, with the Lord's help, I'm having no more staff meetings on Tuesdays when it's visitation time. Because it's important. It matters. Be a part. This world needs Jesus. And if you and I don't tell them, look around our community. Who else is going to? Who else is going to share the gospel and proclaim the love of Christ? If not you, then who? Say, preacher, somebody else in the church will. Really? Who? We're it. 
This is what this community has. This is what our family has. This is what our neighbors and our loved ones have. If not us, then who? Paul says, through the church, through you, God desires to make known the riches of Christ Jesus. Heavenly Father, Lord, we come to you in prayer. God, I pray, Lord, that you might speak to our hearts. Lord, I pray that, God, that we may move from a place of believing, talking, hoping. But, God, that you might move us to be people of action that would step up, fill in the gap, and take the gospel of Christ Jesus to a world that's dying without hope. Father, we love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If God has spoken to your heart, we're going to play and sing a song in just a moment. But if God has spoke to your heart, why not bow your head right now and say, Lord, with your help, I want to step up and I want to do my part. Lord, with your help, I'm going to tell someone about you.